Okay, so we are wrapping up the series Strange Tales, in which we've talked about strange tales, which is a very clever play by me. Um, but we're talking about the strangest things in the Bible, because they're things that never really get talked about, never really get touched on. And a lot of times there's a reason, because it's kind of hard to make a message off of them, because it's like, well, what do you do with a talking donkey? Uh, the answer is, listen. But um, throughout this series, we've talked about uh, Jacob, who became Israel, uh, wrestling with an angel, and how... It's a really weird situation, but it was God showing him and coming to him in a way where he's like, you need to be able to understand that you have to rely on other people, that you have to be a part of a community, that you have to trust me. And so he did that to give him a fresh start because Jacob had had a really bad past and he'd been kind of uh, untrustworthy and all over the place and was always on the run. And so he gave him a fresh start. Now he could have just said it, but he gave him a fresh start. And so it's weird to us, but to him, it's exactly what he needed. We talked about Balaam who rode a talking donkey, although it wasn't always talking, but he rode a donkey because he was about to go against God's people. Uh, he was a prophet of God because he was scared of the king because he wanted power. We don't really know, but the point is God knew that something had to happen to show him. He didn't want to tell him, hey, don't go do this. He wanted him to make the decision for himself. And so a talking donkey did that. And it showed him, hey, I treated this donkey like garbage. And God gave it the ability to talk. Maybe I should pay attention to how I treat people. And it's such a, again, weird story. But it was for a purpose because it really got his attention. Uh, last week we talked about probably the least weird of the three. But uh, how... The temple people were calling out Jesus and, and Peter about like the temple tax, and they were always trying to catch Jesus and stuff. And he's like, hey, do you pay the temple tax? And uh, Jesus is like, yes, hey, Peter, go get a coin out of a fish's mouth. And it's a really weird thing. Like, why didn't he just make it appear? But it came out of nature, and it was showing that he had control over nature. It was showing that the money would be provided by God, because God will provide everything that we need. Not everything that we want, but everything that we need. And often you'll find the older you get, sometimes the things we want, if we got them, it wouldn't go really well. And so uh, that's what this, that has been about. This week, tonight, is about the, in my opinion, the strangest in the entire Bible. It's some, one that I've never heard talked about. And there are reasons for that. And that's why this may be my last week. I'm just joking. But uh, <laughs> that was a joke. I didn't mean to kill Rob. But uh, it's, no, seriously though, it's such a strange story. And it's such out of the blue for what you, you think of in the Bible. And so I'm going to go to, oh, why'd that go away? I'm going to go to, it's strange. yes, it is very strange. I'm going to go to Genesis uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Then, then, the people, then the people began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God, small s, uh, saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. Uh, in the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. So to begin with, you see the phrase sons of God. Now we as Christians, as people who have been in the church, we only ever see the phrase son of God because that's Jesus. This is not the same thing. Um, this is actually not a good thing. Uh, and now there's a lot of argument about what sons of God are. It, early on, like a lot of theologians thought that it was the descendants of, Cain, of Seth uh, multiplying with the descendants of Cain. It's probable that that's not true. It's more likely, uh, and this is where it starts to get a little weird, that it was fallen angels. Um, or or uh, people who were possessed by demons, by fallen angels, by demons, however you want to term it. But they were uh, hooking up with the women of the time. Now... 
you might be like, that's really weird. Why would this happen? How is this happening? Why did God allow this to happen? What in the world is the point? Um, so first, let me tell you what happened to the angels that did it, and then we'll go on. So way back in the Bible, in Jude, which is the second to the last book, uh, it says that those angels that were a part of this, and this is going to, like, showing the punishment before the crime, um, are reserved in everlasting chains under, chains under darkness from the judgment of the great day. So this was a severe thing. It wasn't, it's not that tempting people, it's not that killing people, it's not that hating people, it's not that all of that is, is like, awesome and better, but it's like they were trying to corrupt not only humans, but humanity. Um, so if you are familiar at all with kind of Revelation and the story of God, eventually there's an end time. And I realize that this is a lot to throw at you at once because most people have never heard this, uh, this story. And so there's end times. And in the end times, Jesus comes back and everyone kind of uh, goes to their corners. Like the people who follow Jesus, they, they get a thousand years of peace and they go to heaven and all of this amazing stuff. And I don't want to rush through Revelation, but it's just the whole point is there's a plan, and God has a plan. And the plan, he knows exactly how it's going to happen, and there's nothing that the devil or demons or anything else can do to stop it because he's perfect and he's powerful and he's everything, and nothing can stand in his way. So he knows what is going to happen, and he already knows that there's a victory, and he already knows that we are going to win, and he already knows that if we follow him, we'll go to heaven. All of this is definite. And so the, the quote-unquote bad guys know this too. And so um, sometimes... So there used to be a game called, oh, there's still a game called Madden, but back in the day, uh, I've got a point. Back in the day, uh, there was one version of Madden, I forget what year, but you could hurt people after the play. So like, it's a football game if you don't know what that is. And so you're playing video game football, and you know, the play ends, which means the whistle blows and nothing's happening. But if you kept going, you could dive into the quarterback and put him out and injure him. Now, the play already happened, and let's say that Seth is the quarterback, and he throws a touchdown, and then Cooper, the little defensive player, comes running in and, like, breaks his leg. It doesn't take away the touchdown. He's already lost, but he's trying to do damage, and that's what the, quote-unquote, again, bad guys, the demons, the devil, whoever you want to, however you want to call it, but it's the demons, how they, want, how they want to do it. They know that they can't stop God's plan because it's unstoppable. Like, good wins. This is how it happens. This is what it means. This is why we serve. This is why we're victorious. Um, but they want to try to uh, injure people. They want to try to stop people. They want as few people as possible to choose him. They want as few people as possible to make it to the end. They want as few people as possible to interrupt while other people are talking. They want as few people as possible to have uh, good lives and to make good choices. Like, they want it to stop. They want it to be a problem. And so that's why they're doing this, because not only is it tempting and, and causing corruption and causing anger and causing rage and causing jealousy and all this other stuff, but it's also kind of putting a virus into humanity because they're messing with what humanity is, with genes, with genetics, with DNA, with uh, our race, our very survival and all of this stuff. And, and so all of this is happening. And so right away you're like, well, why is God allowing this? And a lot of people still today are like, why does God allow tragedy? Why does God allow this? Why does God allow that? Uh, it is a hard theological question that comes down to the fact that we essentially want free will he gives it to us because he loves us and he wants us to make our choices for him. Because if you force someone to live for you, it means nothing. Like if you force somebody to love you, they don't really love you. And so he gives us free will so we can make our own choices. And you can imagine how hard that must be when people choose against him. But he gives us free will and because of free will, that means there's tragedy and there's bad things and there's hard times and people we lose people and all of these things happen. And it's not that he's sitting there like, well, man, I'm just going to let this happen. It's that he knows the grand scope 
He knows everything that is going to happen. He knows every play that is going to happen. And he knows that we still will have a chance to choose him. We still will have a chance to do good. We will still have a chance to find him, to find a better life, to do all of those things. And so again, the the bad side wants to stop that, but he already knows what's going to happen. And so that's the whole plan thing. And it talks about a couple things here. My spirit will not put up with uh, humans for such a long time. Um, So I think sometimes we read stuff like that or we read the blasphemy of the spirit and it's like, wait, so there's a point where I can mess up enough that God's going to hate me. I thought God loved me all the time. I thought he forgave everything. He does forgive everything and he does love you no matter what. What this means is kind of a way of saying, like with blasphemy of the spirit, it's kind of a way of saying there is a set time for life, period. Um, There's a beginning of all of life and there's an end of all of life. And so God has set that. And his hope, his desire is that everyone will choose him. And so he has that stretched out as far as it needs to be stretched out so people will have a chance. And so when it says here that it will not put up with humans for such a long time, he's not saying that there's going to come a point where you screw up enough that he's not going to put up with you anymore. He's saying that at a certain point you stop being able to have a choice because you're dead. And so that is essentially kind of a a way of saying, hey, you don't know when that is going to happen. Uh, I hope that everyone here has a really long life, and I hope that we all make it through however hundreds of years we want to go, however long you want to go. I've already been around for a couple thousand, and it's okay. But what I, I know, though, is that you do not know what is going to happen. And again, I don't want that to be scary, because that's, again, not something that you want people to choose based off of. But you have no idea what life is going to bring you. You have no idea what you're going to do. You have no idea what decisions you're going to make in advance. You have no idea how long your life is. Even with a long life, you don't know. Maybe you're going to hit 89, 90, 92, whatever. You don't know that. And so he does all of this stuff to get our attention so we have a chance to choose him in the meantime. And so, like I said, the devil here, the fallen angels, they're trying to just get in the way of that. They know they can't stop it. And they know if people say no and choose against them, God's there. And so they just want to have that temptation and that uh, stuff that gets in the way. And so then it says, like, uh, blah, 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 more than 120 years. He's not saying that's the new lifespan. That means that from this moment where he's talking in Genesis 6, there are 120 years until the flood. Uh, And again, we'll talk about the flood in a second, but it's really weird to think about the fact that God ended the world after, like, Genesis 6 to Genesis 1. So, like, after six chapters. We have no idea how, well, we do kind of know how long that is. But regardless of how much time that is, it's like, well, why... Why was it really so bad? Was it really so much worse than it is now that he had to end everything? Uh, this this uh, fallen angel thing was part of it to get rid of that, but also this was part of the plan. Now I know you're like, why would he plan something where he's already got a destruction? Again, okay. So I watched yesterday Frosty the Snowman with Beatrice, uh, and I promise I didn't just go senile. Like I have a point, but I watched Frosty the Snowman. I watched Frosty the Snowman with Beatrice, and it's the old one, the good one. And in Frosty the Snowman, if you, I hope I don't spoil this story for you. Uh, in Frosty the Snowman, the kids build a snowman. No way. Again, what? sorry. Well, I know. I That's, the, 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 sorry. They do, yes. They name it Frosty, and then a rabbit comes out with a magic hat, and it brings the snowman to life, and that becomes Frosty. And he sounds exactly like the narrator. And so... Um, and so he comes to life. And there's a bad guy, the magician, because all magicians are bad guys. Just joking. But no, there's a bad That was a joke. The bad guy is the magician. 
And all he wants is his hat back. And so he's going after his hat. He doesn't care that the kids are going to be sad. He doesn't care that Frosty is going to die. I have seen that movie probably a thousand times, maybe more. Because when I was a kid, I watched it over and over and over again. With Beatrice, she's like big on it now. So I watch it a lot with her. And so I know exactly what's going to happen at the end. Spoiler alert, he gets the hat, Frosty melts. So, uh, so I, know I know every time that is... Listen, this is my point. I know every time that's going to happen. And yet, when I'm sitting there with Beatrice and I'm watching it, I have this weird hope of maybe this time it will be different. This cartoon was like before Rob. Like, it's a long time ago. And so, and so it's a long time ago. And so I know how it was written. I've seen it. I know exactly what happens. But I still have this slight hope. That is how God sees us. Now, he knows how we're going to choose. Now, we have free will. And it's not that he makes it for you, but he knows how we're going to choose. But he still looks at everyone with this hope, this hope. Even though he knows, he still has this hope. That's how great his love is, and that's so cool. And so when we see things like the flood, and we see a lot of Old Testament stuff, it's like, why in the world did he plan this? The short answer is, I have no idea what actually happened, but it's kind of a lesson in some way. And you can also get into, but this killed a lot of people. For him, he knows where they're going to go. He knows what their lives are. Life means something different to him. He values it, and he loves all of us, but it's just so different, and it's so hard to explain. I don't want to cut up there, but that's kind of the, the thing on the flood. Now we're going to the next part, and this is where it gets actually weird. Um, in those days, I guess the demons were weird too. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites, or Nephilim, lived on the earth for whenever the, son, for whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women. They gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. So what this says is not only did demons or possessed people uh, hook up with the women of the time, they also gave birth to Nephilim. They also gave birth to like half angel, half human beings. Now, immediately, if you've ever been in a church, you're like, I have never heard this story, or that's a really weird story, are you sure, or whatever, and it says it right here in Genesis, and it's really weird, and I say that because it's really weird, like, it's really hard to look at that and be like, how in the world did this happen? What do you mean that warriors of ancient time were, were these? And so, a lot of this stuff, obviously, we don't have, like, I haven't talked to Moses for a long time, so I don't know exactly how this is going, uh, I don't know like, I, you know, with God, like when he planned this out, I, I don't know, like everything about what the, the, the Nephilite became. But a lot of people theorize that uh, like maybe pagan gods or mythological figures or uh, famous warriors from before this time or during that time uh, were, were the, the Nephilites. And so Nephilim were giants, like they were bigger. Now, that's not the same thing as like Goliath or other races of giants, because there were giants before the flood and after the flood. Uh, that's kind of more like a so statistically speaking, I know you love when I get into math. Statistically speaking, uh, everything is possible with a new baby. Like everything is possible. And so it's possible that regardless of how tall the parents are, uh, the baby's going to be way taller. And so stuff like that happens. But this is different because this is like Hercules big or like whatever. And so if it's the pagan gods, if it's Moloch, if it's something like that, we don't know. The point is that this says they exist. Now we know a little bit more. So there's a book... So this is not inspired scripture, so do not take this. And I read this in a commentary, so I got it from a Christian source. But it, it, do not take this as, whoa, this has to be legit. Uh, there's a book called the Book of Enoch, and in that book, it is not inspired scripture. We know that it is not God-inspired. 
However, there could still be some things from it that kind of tie into other things because of whoever wrote it or whatever happened at the time. That, again, does not mean that every word is true. So do not go like, wait, so he used part of this and it goes with the Bible. That, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's like Shakespeare. If you read Shakespeare, some of those things really happen. That does not mean that everything in Hamlet is fact. Like, you see what I'm saying here? And so... Um, and so in, that, in the book of Enoch, uh, it, some of the accounts talk about uh, that they're working to corrupt humans. Like they're working to corrupt humanity. They were giants. Um, they, they, again, they knew God's plan and they, they wanted to stop it. They knew they couldn't, so they were just doing stuff. And so all of that stuff is going on and it talks about the, them being in chains. It talks about some more about the, the warriors and, and the legends and everything else. It talks about the fact that Nephilim are real. Um, there are people who think like everything in, in Genesis and the Bible is not entirely true uh, or like a story or whatever. I, I, you know, I believe that it's fact. I believe that it happened the way that it did. I'm not going to stand in front of somebody else who's a Christian and given their life to it and says, well, yeah, I believe this part is fact, but I believe this part is more of a story. I'm not going to stand here and like debate theology with them because that's something that God will have to reveal to us in our own time. However, I do believe the way this is written and the way it is right now, and it's right before the flood, that there were Nephilim. Um, and so it's such a crazy thing to think about these giant heroic figures or evil figures, however they were, but just that they existed. And it's nuts that this is happening. And God is watching it. And again, he knows that it's going to happen, but he's watching it. And it's not that it's not that he allows it to happen in terms of like, hey, you know, you guys go do this, but he allows it to happen and that he allows everything to happen because he's God and he has full control. But he sees this and he just feels sadness because, again, he knows this is going to happen. But he feels that sadness because it's like, man, I just had that hope that the magician was not going to get the hat this time. I just had that hope, even though I know, even though I am time, even though I am everything, like I had that hope. And so it's such a crazy thing. And some of you may be like, well, why do they have to go away? Like, what, what, what's the problem? Like, what, what harm are they causing? Again, humanity is humanity. Like, that's people. Uh, and regardless of, of, so the human race is different than different races. Now, all races are part of humanity. We're all the same. We're all from God. And so the human race, though, is meant to be the human race, like humans, people. And when uh, demons get involved, regardless of whether there are good intentions by some of them, which there weren't, but regardless of that, like it's like, that's demons. Like, that's messed up, and you're getting in trouble, and you're getting stuff's going on, and then humans stop being humans, and then what's the point? And there's no redemption and everything else. And so, again, this is really weird and really crazy, and it's a lot of theology, and it's a lot of stuff that even, like, us adults don't talk about. And it's a lot of nuts stuff, crazy stuff. But the point is, God had an overall plan. And regardless of what this happened, even though at the time anybody that saw one of the Nephilim or anybody that heard about this was like, they can kill me in a heartbeat, they're not around anymore because God is bigger than that. And he had a plan. And the last part of the scripture here, um, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry uh, he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry around the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Uh, and so you've heard, I'm sure you've heard the story of Noah and the ark, but 
basically everything was so corrupt, and a lot of it was the unnatural, supernatural corruption that's going on here, but it was so falling apart, and he knew this. And so it's not that he failed, it's not that it was a mess up, it's not that it was a surprise, it's that it was part of, so this is kind of a dark way to put it, but if you're making an omelet, you're going to break some eggs. Like, and I'm not saying he looks at us like that, because again, it broke his heart. But it's just impossible for us, for some things, for most things, to put ourselves in the mind of God who existed before time and has complete power and complete knowledge and knows every choice and every decision and everything that's ever going to happen. And so for us, we can only ever see things from a human perspective of, well, the morning started now and the evening started now. There's a beginning and end to everything. Time matters. And to him, there's no time. Like, it does not matter. And so when we look at something like the flood, it's like, how do we make sense of that? I mean, it's hard to. But we know that it was part of his plan. And sometimes that's got to be enough because we have to trust that the rest of his plan made sense. And so to go over his whole plan, and I've talked about this a little bit before, but essentially at this point in time and after the flood, like a lot of people are doing a lot of bad stuff. Like there's a lot of cults and occult stuff and demon stuff and people sacrificing virgins and sacrificing anybody that's around that they don't like and just a lot of sacrificing. And so when he says to Abraham and to his followers, hey, sacrifice animals to come to me, it's not that he's saying to us like, hey, you know, I don't really hear your prayers unless there's a dead animal involved. He's saying, guys, right now, you're kids. And you're not going to understand if I say, hey, pray to Jesus because you see everyone else around you killing and sacrificing everything. And so it started with teaching us how to crawl. And it's like, hey, you got to crawl. you got to sacrifice. you got to learn this. And then Jesus came. And so people sacrificed for a long time. They built churches. They grew. They learned that it was bad to kill other people, although obviously people still do that. Um, and then Jesus came. And again, this was like the exact right time, the exact time you were supposed to come, during the height of Roman power, the exact time it was meant to be. It wasn't like, oh, well, it's been long enough. I'm going to send Jesus. It's like this was the plan that he had laid out because he saw how it would work and he saw what would happen. And so Jesus comes. And he starts to build this relationship. And he says, hey, everybody can do this. It's not just the people that sacrifice. It's not just the people that talk to the Pharisees. It's literally everyone can come to me. And so I'm going to die so that you have this chance. And I'm going to show you how to treat everybody. And I'm going to show you how to talk to everybody. I'm going to show you how to love everyone. And I'm going to show you who you can be in me and how you can be like me. And so he shows them all of that. And then he goes back to heaven and the Holy Spirit is there to connect us all. And then it kind of becomes on us. And so it's like learning how to crawl, learning how to kind of stumble walk, learning how to run. Like all of these things are part of his plan. And when we get to stuff like the flood or we get to stuff like the, the scary parts of Revelation or we get to, to different things, it's like, how could this happen? Just honestly, I don't know because I don't know the overall plan in the way that he does. However, we can look back and be like, oh, wow, this worked. Like, wow, Noah was the last one left, and people started to get it, and his family got it, and they screwed up too, and they were messed up too sometimes, but they turned to God. And then Abraham came along, and then Isaac, and then so on, and so on, and so on, and Joseph, and, and wow, this stuff kind of makes sense when you look back. Now, for us, our life is the same. You're going to have times that are really weird, like, hopefully not Nephilim stuff, but you're going to have really weird stuff, like a talking donkey, or a coin in a fish's mouth, or wrestling a random person that runs along on the road. Although if that happens, please call the police right away. But you're going to have weird moments in your life. And at the time, you're going to be like, I can't make sense of this. What does this mean? And so first, you know, pray, talk to people, like try to get a handle on it. But often, not until later, can you look back and be like, oh, wait, I, I get this. Now, the adults here, and including myself, we are not perfect either. And so 
Yet we can look back a little farther because we're a lot older and be like, oh man, when I was your age, I did not get why this happened. But now I kind of see what it means. That does not mean that it doesn't still hurt. It doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is good. It means that good can come from everything that happens to you. It means that there's still tragedy and there's still hurt and there's still pain. And if you feel that, it's not that you have to be like, oh, man, I feel so sad or so just hurt. I'm supposed to get over this and kind of learn from it. That, that's not what I'm saying. Like eventually, sure, learn from it. Like, but feel what you feel. But just know that it's a part of something more. And one day you'll look back and you're not going to be like, oh, I'm so glad that that happened. But you are going to be like, okay, so that still sucks. But this happened because of it, or this came from it, or I learned this, and now I know this, or I learned that that person wasn't to be trusted, or I learned that this is what I had to make the decision for, or whatever. But the cool thing is, you continually have chances as long as you're alive. Like I said, we have no idea how that is. But those strange things, and I'm not talking just the bad things, but those strange things where he's trying to get your attention, pay attention to them because he loves you and he has this plan for you. And this plan is perfect and it's not just for everything, it's for us individually. And that's what's so cool. I had no idea I would ever be standing and preaching like 17 times on a Sunday. Like I had no idea that was ever going to happen because it terrifies me. Thank you, Cooper. I had no idea because it terrifies me. And yet... I look back and I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And oh, yeah, that college debt, that really helped. It didn't. But it's like, oh, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. And I understand why I was there. And I understand why I had to lose that. And again, it's not that I'm like, I'm so glad that I was basically in poverty for a long time. Or I was so glad I lost my grandma. Or I was so glad I lost that house. Or I was so glad, glad I dealt with that depression. I don't think that. But I'm like, okay, all of that brought me to here. And I'm able to learn from it. I think sometimes when we deal with tragedy or we deal with hurt, uh, people obviously are like, hey, take your time, but they're also like, now one day you have to look at this and think it's good. You never have to look at it and think it's good. So, so don't think that. But you do have to keep going. And you learn to cope with it, and you learn to move on from it, and you learn to learn from it. Now you may still feel that for a long time, maybe forever, but you can go from it in a better way and, and learn more because God has a perfect plan. And it's so cool. And all of this stuff is weird, and I really love the Nephilim stuff actually, even though it's super weird. But it's all part of his plan, even the stuff we don't understand. And yet it all works together to make this perfect plan. And we are a part of that. And that's all I got.